Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Mercedes. In this podcast, we will be sharing with you some of the most exciting stories from within the automotive industry. We will, of course, be talking about the Mercedes-Benz brand and its cars, but we also look forward to meeting external experts for a very personal deep dive into the world of mobility. My name is Yasmin Blair, and this is Let's Talk Mercedes. Thanks for tuning in. Autonomous cars. When you hear those words, what goes through your mind? To me personally, it was always about taking a nap in my car while driving to my next podcast recording, about watching a movie while driving home. But what I seemed to forget was that autonomous driving is also about self-parking cars and cruise control, functions I've already been using for years. The fact of the matter is, it all depends on which level of automated driving we speak of. So what we decided to do for this episode is find two experts who can tell us exactly where we stand today and which technology is going to make driverless mobility possible in these next few months and years to come. One of the experts indeed, as myself, plans on taking naps while driving to work, while the other one is busy working on flying cars. Now here's the common ground. Both of them are absolutely convinced that all of this is not that far away anymore. But as fun and spacey as all of this sounds, what I mainly take away from our talk is that automated driving isn't just about convenience and giving us back precious lifetime. It's about making our streets safer than ever before. So, I hope you have as much fun with this episode as I did. Enjoy, everyone. I'm very excited to welcome Director Driver Assistant Systems and Active Safety at Mercedes-Benz. Welcome, Martin Hart. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well, Martin. Then thank you so much for joining us. And also, thank you for joining us and welcome CEO of Kitty Hawk, co-founder of Udacity and Cresta, Al, and founder of Google's Research Lab X Autonomous Car Project. Thanks for joining in, Sebastian Trun. It's great seeing you, Jasmine. Hello. Thank you so much. Great seeing you as well and hearing you above all. Now, starting out, we always like to get to know our guests a bit better, and we try to better understand what it is that you do exactly. So you've had this formal introduction now. Martin, to warm up, why don't you go ahead and explain to us what happens at work during the very first hour of every average workday? In the very first hour of every workday, um, I try to get the best coffee available around me somehow. <laughs> uh, that's pretty important to get uh, started. But then I, uh, I I take care of the driver assistance systems for all Mercedes-Benz cars. And uh, so my vision and my mission is, uh, and it's really that, to save life every day. And so as we talk about autonomous driving, the next big step is that we go further and that we give time back to the customer while driving with an autonomous car. So first of all, caffeine, then saving lives and giving time back to the driver. Sounds pretty much superhero-like to me. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. Sebastian, now after your cup of coffee, what is it that you do? And let me just let me just say this, no matter which segment any of us work in, I think it's impossible for anyone who has a computer, who can read, not to have heard of you. Your CV reads like that of four different people's lifetimes from online training platforms to flying cars, from autonomous vehicles to automated office functions. 
Tell us what exactly do you spend most time on these days currently? And what would you consider your greatest passion in work life? Tell us. Yeah, so I, <laughs> thanks for asking. I just want to invent the future. I think there's, um, there's so many things that just don't exist today and so many things that are wrong. I, I admire what Dr. Hart is doing in, in Mercedes, trying to save lives. We lose 1.2 million people around the world every year in traffic accidents. And these are not just numbers. These are individuals. Uh, many of your listeners will have lost somebody in traffic. So have I, multiple people. And it's just untenable. So we, we, we got to invent something that just stops uh, risking human life for no real reason. And we're inventing it. Uh, I did it with self-driving cars back uh, at Google when I ran the Google Chauffeur Project, now known as Waymo. And now I'm working with Larry Page on what people jokingly call uh, flying cars. Jokingly called flying cars. That's a term I also use. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. Thank you, Sebastian, for this introduction. I think to fundamentally understand what we speak of here today, we need to start at the very beginning. And for me personally, the most important thing I ever learned about automated driving is that when we as customers speak of autonomous cars, we tend to lump together all these different levels of driving automation. There is a world of a difference between driver assistance and full automation, for example. Now, Martin, could you please explain the six levels of driving automation according to SAE without getting into technical detail too much, just so that we can grasp what each level really makes possible for the driver? Um, so the levels uh, zero to two, this is uh, called assisted driving. It's uh, parcel automation. This is what you can experience today in uh, almost uh, every car, especially in the Mercedes-Benz cars, for sure. This gives comfort and safety and is for sure a must-have. And here the the driver is still responsible. Uh, he has the hands on and the eyes on the road and uh, no side activities are allowed. And uh, so the next big step where we are heading for this year is then the switch from level two to level three. And this is automatic driving. This is conditional automation. So this is really hands off and eyes off. And you are allowed to do some side activities. And for us and also for the customer, this is really a big step because the responsibility goes over from the driver to the car or the manufacturer. So during driving uh, level three, the car itself is responsible that everything works fine, that you are safe and comfortable driving and the driver can relax and do some side activities. And if you go beyond, then it's called level four, level five. This is high automation. This is, uh, we call it also mind off. The driver then uh, can start, can, can sleep or can do really different things. And also on level five, even is not a uh, present on the driver's seat finally. So this is somehow the difference from the different levels. So beloved features almost all of us use all the time, like cruise control, those are only level one, just to, you know, just right. to uh, explain yeah. that once more. So what do you consider the greatest advantages of increasing automated functions? You've already named time, saving time as a very beneficial factor. Also safety being very important to both of you. <laughs> Obviously, safety is number one and number two and number three. I mean, if you ever got into a traffic accident yourself, if you ever lost a loved one, you know that safety matters. And and safety goes further than you think. Like uh, old people often lose the ability to drive. Young people, kids can't drive themselves. So you can really expand the driving envelope for people 
who presently wouldn't be able to operate a motor vehicle. And then the second one is getting your time back. I mean, you spend collectively every person roughly an hour a day in traffic, and that's a lot of time. And you work this out over your lifetime. That's an amazing amount of time. So could you sleep? Could you watch a movie? Could we have a conversation? Could you safely text while you're driving? Um, <laughs> that's something that certainly would be a, a massive shift in, in consumer and user experience. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, uh, and that's also true what Sebastian is saying that safety is the most important topic. And, uh, so the system is always behaving the same, is always awake, uh, has always the same performance every day. And therefore it's, uh, perfectly to increase safety. And, uh, also, uh, let me say some uh, words about giving time back. So, uh, Sebastian said, yeah, we are every day, at least if we travel to work, uh, an hour or so in the car and on my way, for example, from the airport to our technical center, the MTC in Sindelfingen. So it's always, I have 20 minutes uh, traffic jam on my way there. And so I could easily uh, win every day 20 or if it's the same on the way home, it's not always uh, that much uh, traffic, but sometimes so I can easily get back 30 minutes a day of, of time. And that's great. So I would uh, pay for it as a customer. I, too, as a customer, would be willing to pay a lot for time. I mean, the most valuable asset we have nowadays. And if we look at where we stand today, what is already possible or where we're heading towards, Martin, you already said that we're heading directly towards SAE Level 3. If we take the EQS as an example, it will be able to drive conditionally automated but naturally, there is, as it always goes, a whole mountain of regulatory aspects that need to be taken into account. So what will we truly be able to do with our EQS in 2022 that is not yet possible today, Martin? Can you sum that up for us? Even at the end of the year, we will launch the system, this level three system in the S-Class, a little bit earlier than in the EQS. And uh, this is the first step, the first time we do this huge step, giving the responsibility away from the driver to uh, the manufacturer, to the car. And this is, uh, we call it drive pilot. So in a traffic jam situation, we can uh, press a button on the steering wheel and then the car is automatically driving in the traffic jam up to a speed of 60 kilometers per hour. So this is what is allowed from legislation in 2021. And we start in Germany to launch that system. And therefore, in a traffic jam, I can do uh, side activities. Uh, so it's hands off, eyes off, but still mind on but it's uh, this is a big step for us and also for a customer feature again martin can you give us those launching dates is that the end of 2021 you speak of right yeah all right. So that's coming up really soon. Uh, we're going to experience breakthroughs this year, next year, even more, I'm assuming. Sebastian, Martin just mentioned some of these breakthroughs. What are going to be the biggest breakthroughs from your point of view in these next years, or maybe even we're speaking of these next months to come? Yeah, I mean, I, I worked on uh, a level five self-driving in, in America, and we got into the point in way more that you could really safely sleep, to be honest. <laughs> um and the car would just do everything itself. And that's, I think, for me, the pivotal moment where we, we just don't even rely anymore on the person. Like, if you if you bought an elevator today, okay, and you push the button, the train, this vertical train goes its way, and this does not even a way for a human driver to take over. It just does it and does it reliably. And I think we should get to the point where cars do this. Uh, it's actually not that hard, in my opinion. Um, I've been in self-driving cars since 2005. Uh, we had cars driving every street in California since 2011. So it's been quite a while. 
What, Sebastian, are the greatest challenges getting where we need to go? How do we reach the next step? Look, first of all, people can do it, right? After like maybe a month or two of driving school, but I'm 18, I'm allowed to do this and I can do it quite well. So it can't be that hard, to be honest. Um, the challenges are really twofold. Um, one is there's these corner cases. Uh, you, you have a much lower tolerance for a self-driving car causing an accident than a person. So you got to be orders of magnitude safer than, than a human driver would be. And second is cost. Uh, many of the teams still rely on relatively expensive sensors. And getting those costs down to a level where consumers feel comfortable is another challenge. That's absolutely right, Sebastian. And uh, so our motivation, our dedication is we want to bring that technology now to the customer, to the privately owned cars customer. And therefore, uh, this is also my personal motivation. I'm a person who wants to bring innovation finally to series to the customer. Sebastian, with Udacity, you are educating the autonomous vehicle experts, the talents of the future. You only recently announced the launch of a new self-driving car engineer nanodegree program. With technology constantly moving at such a fast pace and with these challenges that we do speak of, where do you set the focus in your program or programs to make sure that these, these future experts will be able to solve all of these challenges? Yeah, that's a cool thing. I started a few years ago, uh, basically an online university uh, called Udacity, and we train people. Uh, the good news is everybody now can become a, a self-driving car engineer. Uh, it's a it's a degree <laughs> that doesn't exist. You can't go to University of Munich or Berlin and get that degree. And the reason is universities generally lag a little bit behind, but the skill set is taken from many existing degrees. It's like state estimation, it's machine learning, it's some very cool artificial intelligence stuff. And you can now go to udacity.com and enroll and become an engineer. And uh, hopefully Dr. Hart will hire you. Um, I think Absolutely. we have uh, Udacity graduates <laughs> in every single self-driving car team in the world. Uh, we have worked very closely with Mercedes over the years. They helped us yep. curate a lot of the, 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 the content so that you get taught not just by random professors, <laughs> but by the experts, the absolutely very experts in the world, such as the, the team members of Dr. Hart's team. Yeah, and I can absolutely confirm what Sebastian is saying. The program is teaching what we need to develop all the further levels of automation. And the secondly, second, what I can confirm, uh, Jasmine, if you do that degree, I will hire you. So and, uh. <laughs> that's exactly what I was waiting to hear. <laughs> so my next step is join Udacity University, and right. after that, and after that, return to speak to Martin Hart. Absolutely. I'm on it. You can be a future self-driving car engineer. How cool is that? That is super cool. How long does it take, Sebastian? If you put all your time into it, it's about half a year. Yeah. All right. I, can, I could do that. I see myself doing that. Okay. You guys hold the line when we're done. But let's just switch perspective for a minute here, okay? Because <laughs> the fact of the matter is, depending on where you speak to people, they can be insecure, if not to say fearful. So my question is basically... Are we arrogant to think everyone out there is feverishly yearning for the next breakthrough in automated driving? Are people even ready for this yet? And I take it there are big differences between California and Germany, for example. Should we start with the German perspective, Martin? I think out here, the people, they are, not everybody is waiting for the next big step, but there are many. And uh, what is my uh, base of my uh, message is that we have done a lot of tests with many external 
test persons. Uh, we have evaluated people from 18 to 80. We really had uh, chosen a three-digit number of people trying out the new levels. For example, our level three system in our driving simulator. We have uh, in Sindelfingen since 10 years a, a very sophisticated uh, driving simulator where we can bring in, for example, an S-Class and do tests and there's no risk. And we have done with them a lot of evaluation of our system because it's so important that you have this 360-degree picture, not only that it's driving and it's safe and you don't uh, have an accident, also that it feels comfortable, that the people understand and also can uh, handle the system. And after that, after we've evaluated the test, we went to Immendingen, our test track in the south of Germany, where we again did it with real cars, real traffic on our test area again with these people. And so we got really tremendous uh, good feedback that, it's, that they were pretty excited that they can uh, handle it in case of an emergency. So I think there are many outside who are looking forward and especially also for, for the young. It's a great asset that they can also then relax, for example, in a traffic jam or that they feel comfortable and also safe on a longer journey. Now, Sebastian, do you experience a lot of criticism or what is, I mean, I think the feeling in California is basically very open for the future and for everything to come. But do you have these people that you need to convince that this is the way to go and that this is going to be safe or is already safe? Yeah, I mean, the safety issue is the predominant issue here. And, and we, have, we don't feel comfortable releasing something that wouldn't be 100% safe. There's no question. But here's a cool thing. So we, I used to have people who are critical and put them into the, the driver's seat and say, you know, now you're the safety driver. It's your job to keep the vehicle safe, to overlook its operations. And you can intervene any second by just grabbing the steering wheel. And then we watched those people, like the most critical people would last about six minutes. And then they would start <laughs> texting or taking photos or looking somewhere else and stopping paying attention to the road. It is, blows my mind how quickly people are willing to accept technology Even something they didn't trust 10 minutes earlier, they gave me a long spiel about it, never going to trust it. 10 minutes later, they're completely convinced it's working and they're happy to put their lives into it. And that's not just true for cars, it's true for aircraft. There's now level four self-flying aircraft in the world that just do this already and people trust their lives into those. Uh, we are generally very, very willing to accept and adapt to new technology when it gives us some new value. We have absolutely the similar experience what Sebastian is, is saying. Uh, when we performed the test in Immendingen, at first, when they switched on the first time, our drive pilot, and at first, oh, they, they watched still the traffic and so on. But finally, after some minutes, they start trying out internet, watching YouTube videos, or trying to play a, a game. If it feels comfortable in the car, that's pretty important. Yeah, Then in a very short period of time, they trust and uh, yeah, rely to the system. You too, both of you, Martin and Sebastian, just to verify, you would no doubt trust your life uh, into the hands, so to speak, or the wheels better yet of a fully automated car, correct? Oh, anytime, anytime. And there's been situations where my, my partner, my fiancé told me, please let the car take over. I feel so much safer. I think, <laughs> I think that's the best judgment you can get. Oh. Now, let's say full automation, meaning level five, is the goal. That's the name of the game. How can we imagine a future where fully automated driving has become the standard? Are we going to experience that in our lifetimes? And does that mean... Let's return to you, Sebastian, that automatically we will be taking off into the skies and that we will be expanding our traffic to the air. 
Yeah, I'm on my secret mission to make sure that Mercedes stops making cars at some point and, and moves into <laughs> aircraft because the next generation of autonomy is really not ground-based. Uh, if you're if you're self-driving, even level five, you're still going to be stuck in traffic when there's traffic. There's nothing you can do about it. But if you could magically uh, defy gravity and get yourself, say, 500 meters up in the air, you might be able to score in a straight line. The sky is so much bigger. So my current venture, which I'm working with Larry Page on, called Kitty Hawk, is one of the many companies that look into electrically propelled vehicles that can fly. They can take off vertically, a bit like a drone, and then get you to the point five times as fast as a car. And they're making amazing progress. So level five driving, Martin, is that something that will become standard in the future? Is that something that we will experience in our lifetimes? What do you think? I think, yes, we can experience in our lifetime, you, Jasmine, Sebastian, also me. But it will always be, I think, a kind of mixed traffic. So there will be people driving with cars we have today and there will be cars driving level four, five, whatever. And so the development and also the technical achievements we have, this is really going exponential and this will happen. I don't know exactly when this is um, a difficult question to answer, but yes, we will experience. And uh, I'm pretty excited what Sebastian is saying with Kitty Hawk. This is great because my private passion is therefore I fly radio-controlled helicopters and therefore I'm really interested in that uh, ah. stuff. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the attitude to take is that the future is just beginning, right? So um, we've just invented the iPhone 10 years ago, right? And now we have social media and we have all these amazing things. And in transportation, we're now entering the phase where computers can make us so much safer than, than, than we could do manually. And that's just the beginning. Um, like even the car itself as a mass phenomenon is not, a, not older than 120 years. So if you think forward, there's going to be next iterations of things that we can invent that will make us get around so much faster and so much safer. And I happen to believe it's going to be in the air because once you're in the air, like all your obstacles disappear. There's no trees, there's no bicycles, there's no pedestrians walking around. And you have a relatively straight shot at getting to the goal at a straight line. I, I believe it's going to happen. And it's going to happen during my lifetime. It's worthwhile investing in a Udacity uh, autonomous driving nano degree or degree. And so there's so much to do. It's so exciting. The development is so fast. And here at Mercedes, our mission is to bring that into series on the street in the car. You don't have to convince me because uh, you've you've already done that. I already like while we're speaking, you cannot tell, but I'm already signing up online for Udacity. So that's a done deal. But I know it's hard to put to put a year or an exact date on when we will we will uh, witness fully automated driving on our streets as the standard. But do you think there's a place that we are looking towards? Because is it going to be in the cities? Is it going to be on the countryside where people need their cars more urgently than in large cities? Or is it going to be which country is it going to be? Are we looking towards China, for example? Where do you guys think we are going to experience the biggest leap in these next, let's say, one to three years? So I think there will be um, two major things happening. One is the evolution and the further development that we uh, go on the highway, if we commute, if we travel from city A to city B, that we increase the level of automation and that we can use the time for relaxation, for even, even sleeping and so on. And the other one will be, yes, in the city where we have then in this complex scenario and get these cars on the street 
read, which is uh, a complex task, but also a very exciting task. Uh, regarding the countries, yeah, for sure, development is uh, very, it's, it's China, it's, uh, it's US, and it's uh, for sure also here with us. Where will we be citing your flying car, Sebastian, first? Is there a country you could name? Uh, yeah, so um, we're making really great progress in the United States. Uh, we're working on a daily basis with the FAA here on approvals. Germany has two strong teams called Lilium Volocopter. They've done a really good job also uh, pushing the same technology. And then there's countries um, that are really eager to get this. Uh, there's a number of countries in the Middle East. Uh, Dubai in particular is very eager to get this technology. And also in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, New Zealand and Australia are heavily involved in this as well. So, Sebastian, when do you think it's realistic for us as customers, as drivers, to switch into a flying vehicle by Kitty Hawk? I hope it's going to be a flying Mercedes at some point. Uh, Kitty Hawk has been flying people around for um, six years now, since 2015. Uh, yeah, it's, and one day we actually trained 50 new pilots on a single day and let them all fly. And we get, I think we get the, the permission by the authorities um, in three years' time. So 2024 will be the, the year when I hope, Jasmine, they can take you and, and fly you to the United States. Definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, and let's not forget, I mean, the, we, we are, as humans, always transforming our lives. And these new things do happen. We might, we might mentally think, oh, my God, the car is given, but there's nothing after the car. But if you think about it, if you can really fly on a straight line with a, with a flying car, you'd rather do this than being stuck on the ground. All right, you two. Thank you so much. Now we've reached the end of our conversation. Is there anything that you would like to still pass along to our listeners? Let me circle round back to Martin. So in the near future, uh, it will be very exciting driving in a traffic jam. And this sounds a little bit strange, but it will be like that if you have... The Level 3 system on board, our drive pilot, you can watch movies or just relax and uh, enjoy the traffic. And this year, we plan to launch our Intelligent Park pilot. This will be the first Level 4 system in the market and in dedicated garages with the relevant infrastructure, the car will park by itself without a driver in the car. Yeah, and I want to, especially my German friends, I want to tell you, stay optimistic, like, Technology is generally our friend. We generally love when technology makes our life easier, from the internet to the microwave to, I don't know, even the light switch in your wall, which is technology. Uh, this technology will make driving safer and it'll make it more convenient and make it more accessible to everybody. So stay optimistic and think about technology as something that's going to be great and not, not something that's going to be fear. It's going to make your life better. So technology is your friend. Definitely looking forward to that phase in our lives. And uh, thank you so much, Sebastian, for that. And of course, we're very much looking forward to that uh, Mercedes and uh, um, collaboration that you speak of, Sebastian, to see those flying Mercedes cars. I could I could picture myself in a floating S-Class. Yeah, and let's not forget Mercedes, I think, was in Germany the very first company working yeah. on this technology. Mercedes has a 25-year history on working on self-driving cars. That's kind of amazing. Those are definitely some good grounds to build on. All right. So uh, we will keep a close eye on all of that on the future to come. Thank you so much for joining us, Sebastian and Martin, and for teaching us more about automated driving. Thank you to our listeners for joining in on this episode of Let's Talk Mercedes. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>